tactics for success and training for war from grasshoppers to puddles. Okay, so let's un unpack that a little bit. We are about to enter the promised land. We have come out of Egypt. We have come down to Mount Sinai. We have been given the law at Mount Sinai. And this trick trap, this trip is taking us now into this land that God has promised us. But before we go into the land, what are we going to do? We're going to send some spies into the land to check it out. And what we'll do is we'll take 12 spies, one from each tribe, and we'll send them into the land and let them come back with their report. Now, we're all familiar with this account. And <clears throat> from Numbers 13, 31, but the men who had gone up with Caleb and said, we are not able to go up against this people. They're too strong for us. Can you hear them coming back? They had gone into this land. And here's another account that they said. We also saw there from Numbers 13, 33, Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim. And we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. And we were in their sight. See, they came back and gave this report. We're so tiny. How can we do anything? Oh, all they have to do is step on us. We can't go into this land. They're too big. The enemy's too great. From Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 28. I'm not sure. This is Moses speaking. Where can we go up? This is what he's saying, that they had said. Our brethren have made our hearts melt, saying, the people are bigger and taller than we. The cities are large and fortified to heaven. And besides, we saw the sons of Anakim there. Our hearts melted. We became jello. Help! And have you ever been in one of those situations where your heart just melted? It was a situation where you just didn't know what to do, and you said, ah, I've become like a grasshopper in the midst of this attack. I've become, my heart is just melting. But Joshua said, surely the Lord has given us all the land into our hands and all the inhabitants of the land, moral, moreover, have melted away before us. He says, we are not the ones who are melting. They are the ones who are melting. Have courage. Move forward. Don't let the enemy make you think you are little tiny, and without any weapons. Because he will. It's his job to bluff you, to convince you you have no armor. Well, what's the difference? 
Joshua comes back and said, they are melting before us. And the 12 came back, and 10 of them said, we are melting before them. I was 40 years old, Joshua says in 14, 7 and 8. When then Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me in to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land and brought word back to him, and it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear. But there was something different about Joshua. He says, I followed the Lord fully. I made a commitment for what he said I was going to pursue. What he said I was going to do. And so James tells us in 4, 7, and 8, submit therefore to God. Submit to him. Resist the devil. And you know what will happen? He will flee from you. You draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of attacks, resist and draw near to God. It's a battle plan. It's a tactic. I can do all things in him who strengthens me from Philippians. So I'm going to go over this morning seven specific tactics, strategies that are given to us in the scriptures to battle against what the enemy would bring against us. You know, this is, I, this is, I appreciated Sam saying this is a season of joy. But you know something? The enemy would want you to try to convince you it was a season of depression. That was a season in which you feel incomplete. It's a season in which all this is going on around you, all this busyness and all this chaos. And in the midst of it, you feel overwhelmed, tired, struck down. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that. And this is just flooding you with what the enemy would want to do cause you to slip into depression. Resist. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Well, wait a minute. What are the weapons of our warfare? Now, all of, the, all of you who are thinking of Ephesians 6 and the armor of God, that's wonderful. We'll get there. But really, if you really look at that passage, there's only one weapon of warfare, and that's the sword. All the rest of it seems to be defensive mechanisms. So I'm going to start with this, the power of praise. And I want to come back into 
the account in 2 Chronicles of uh, Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat is king of Judah, and word comes to him that the Moabites, the Amorites, and the Meunanites are going to attack and destroy him. They're going to come into Jerusalem. They're mounting this huge war. And Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord, draw near to the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to help seek help from the Lord. And they even came from all the cities of Judah to seek the Lord. And the account goes on. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? Are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one, no one can stand against you. Did you not, O oh our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And here he's drawing attention to God, and he's saying, this is who you are, God. I know who you are in the midst of this trouble, in the midst of this attack, in this impending doom. We are crying out to you. And when he had consulted with the people, 2 Chronicles 20, 21, 22, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire, and they went out before the army and said, Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah and they were routed. Now you wouldn't think that singing and praising in the midst of a situation would be a weapon. But scripture's been given to us to say, you want to fight the enemy, sing. You want to shake him up and see God work, praise his name and sing to him. We're also given the account of Paul and Silas who have been uh, imprisoned. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and complaining. Look, we've been beaten. We're locked. Our feet are in the stocks. No. They began singing hymns and praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And in the account, there's a great earthquake, and the doors are open. You want a weapon against the enemy? Sing. Praise God. You are holy, Lord. You are the Almighty. You have, and we sang those today. You haven't let me down. You won't let me down now. 
You are worthy, worthy to be praised. A second, and these aren't in necessarily any order, it's the word of God. You have here before you, whether it's on your tablet, on your phone, or in hard copy, you have Proverbs, which gives you wisdom. You have the Psalms, which tell you how, in so many different situations, to respond to God. You have accounts of other people who have been through troubles worse than you're going through. Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, thrown into prison, sold into slavery, accused, and yet God is faithful. And we're giving these examples in the word. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led about by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And you all know this one. You know what he fought him with? He got his sword out. It's AK-15. No. And Jesus answered him, it is written, it is written, it is written. You come into attack a weapon that you can use. It is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written. My God is faithful. It's a weapon of your warfare. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. A third, and I don't know whether you caught it when Jehoshaphat was using it, but it's remember who you are and whose you are. See, Joseph, Jehoshaphat, when he was said, you are the God who brought us into Canaan. You drove out the enemy before us. You are the king of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You have created all heaven and earth. And what you need to do is if you want a war, you want to remember who you are and what is going on. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, <gasps> anything, any created thing, and God created it all, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember who you are. Nothing, nothing will be able to separate you from his love. Nothing. And the enemy would try to tell you, you're not good enough. Or look what you've done. Or how can you even think that you can do that? And he whispers in your ear. And he deceives you. And you say, oh no, I know who I am. I know who I am. For you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. You've been given the Holy Spirit. And that's the last thing the enemy would want you to fall back on. He would want you to say, oh, poor me. And then you have that little party. You know, I've had those before. 
Oh, just for yourself or anybody else who will listen. <laughs> I'm going to call Matt. He'll listen to me. Oh, Matt! <laughs> Poor me! I'm so lonely. Nothing's ever gone right. God hates me. You've just given in. Come on. You've got to learn to fight. Greater is he who is in you. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Write that down. He's not giving you a spirit of timidity. Power and love and discipline. Remember who you are and whose you are. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless. Wait a minute. I'm holy? I'm blameless? Yes, you are. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And the enemy would try to tell you, you're not. And he's blessed you with every spiritual blessing. He's called you a son. He's adopted you. He's redeemed you. He's forgiven you. One of the things that Ephesians, the beginning of Ephesians tells us, he's revealed himself to you. He's provided an inheritance, an inheritance for you that is unimaginable. And most importantly, well, not necessarily most importantly, it all is important. He sealed you with the Holy Spirit till he returns. Now, another weapon? It's pretty simple. Give thanks. Just give thanks. Now, I'm not telling you to give thanks for the situation or the problem. I'm telling you to give thanks because you have a redeemer. You have one who comes to your aid, who hears your cry. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of your word wonders. I will be glad and exult in thee. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In, ceasing. in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. What, what's the... Do you ever ask what the will of God? I don't know what the will of God is. I just don't know what God's will is. Well, Scripture tells us, in everything, give thanks. Well, I'm not thankful for my financial situation. I'm not thankful. But you can be thankful that you have someone who hears you and comes and leads you and guides you. One of the surefire approaches of the enemy is to make you fearful. I'm fearful for my kids, I'm fearful of my finances, I'm fearful of my health, fearness of my grandchildren, I'm fearful. Well, you just name it, I can be fearful of anything. 
when we talk about Nehemiah. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for King Xerxes. And he got word that while they had built the temple in Jerusalem, had rebuilt it, um, the wall surrounding Jerusalem was in deplorable condition. And he asked the king if he could go and fix it. Well, there were, those, there were enemies there. Uh, and the enemies were there that were the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites. And they just didn't want this wall built. And Nehemiah was intent on building the wall, and he had gotten all the people together, and he said, what we're going to do is we're going to break into different sections of these walls by families, and you're going to be in part in charge of this family, uh, this part of the wall, and you're... And he set this all up. Well, the more that went on, the more the enemy said, we are going to attack. And so Nehemiah came up with a plan. He said, make sure that while you're working, you carry your sword with you. As a matter of fact, I'm going to set guards. And the people became very fearful. And when he saw... When I saw, this is Nehemiah saying, when I saw their fear, I rose and spoke to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Fight. Fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. Don't let the enemy overcome you and don't give way to fear. This passage from 2 Kings, Elisha, the king of Syria, has tried to bring war against Israel. And every time he has brought an attack, he's been thwarted. And he calls his counselors together and he says to them, why is that going on? And they say, well... Here's what we figured out is that they have a prophet. His name's Elisha. And God tells him when you're going to attack. And that way he goes and tells the king and they set up a counterattack and we're thwarted every time. Well, the king of Assyria decides, I know how to end that. We'll go and take Elisha out. So he sends this great army to surround Elisha. And in the morning, Elisha has his servant with him. And his servant said to him, and he goes out to fix the fire and get things ready for breakfast. And he looks around and he sees this great army surrounding Elisha and himself. And his knees start to knock. And he goes, ho, ho, and he runs back and he said, Master, what shall we do? Now, that seems to be a normal thing. And Elisha tells him what to do. Do not fear. You know why? For those who are with us 
are more than those who are against them. See, sometimes your spiritual eyes are only fixed on the circumstances. But Elisha said, oh no, you may be surrounded, you may see this army that's attacking you, but I want to tell you, there are more for you that are against you. You know, Sam talked about that little globe that goes around. You have angels watching over you. God has set his protection on you. Do not fear. Do not fear. You got to put on God gear. And that's Ephesians. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here just simply because of, of uh, we have a number of things to do today. But uh, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the, schemes of the devil. And you have to understand that this is weaponry. This is spiritual weaponry. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and have, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith of which is able to extinguish all the fiery missiles of the evil, evil one, take on the helmet of salvation and the spirit which is the word of God with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. You! You put it on. Remind yourself, I've got this helmet on. I've got this, this breastplate of righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who are you? That's who I am. It's a weapon Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Sing praise, he will flee from you. Give thanks, he will flee from you. You've not been left without weapons for a battle. I want to train you in fighting. Prayer, it's a weapon. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. If it's not a tool that you use, if it's not a weapon that you decide to use, you're just one short in the toolbox. Psalm 18.6 In my distress I called upon the Lord, and cried to my God for help. And he heard my voice out of his temple and my cry for help before him and came into his ears. And that scripture goes on to say that he rode his cherubim down to attack the enemy. I just think that's a great picture. God riding his cherubim. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. It's a weapon. It's a weapon that we can use to fight these battles that we find ourselves in. Sometimes it's almost one of the last things you decide to use. And did you pray it? Did you give thanks? We have been given all of these, these spiritual weapons for battle, and God wants us to use them. So your weapons of warfare, praise, 
Use the word. Remember who you are and whose you are. Give thanks. Cast away fear. Put on your God gear and pray. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, stand firm. Stand firm. I pursued my enemy and overtook him. Don't let the enemy, don't let the enemy have this season in any way. He wants to take it. But you, you are children of God. You've not been left helpless down here. He's given you weapons to war against the enemy. Amen? Amen. Now I want to come back to point three. Remember who you are and whose you are. And we're going to be taking some time and having communion. And what did Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of me. And so what do you remember about Jesus? He's the faithful one. He's your king and Lord. What do you remember? I don't want to give you ideas. I want you to say, who are you, Jesus? Who are you to me? And I am taking this time and celebrating, celebrating what you have bought for me, this redemption, this new life, this walk with you. I am remembering all that you gave me. I didn't deserve it. I was your enemy. And you loved me regardless. And you brought me into your household. And you have given me equipment in this dark place down here to war against all these things that would come against me. I am doing this in remembrance of you. And so, if you would, if you would open the can't call it bread <laughs> whatever it is it's representative it's representative of his body that was broken for you do this in remembrance of me remember I did this for you go ahead and eat this when you see and take the cup remember that it was my blood that was poured out for you for the forgiveness of sin for reconciliation for redemption for all that you may have life with me and you may have it more abundantly and that you may stand against all of the ways of the enemy because I have overcome. Jesus Christ has overcome the enemy and has given us life. Let us drink in remembrance.